0: The Pod Doctors is brought to you by the Kindle book, Saving Limbs, Saving Lives, Advanced Treatments to Prevent Amputations in Diabetic Populations. This book by Dr. Damien Dauphiné discusses specific patient cases in diabetic limb preservation, which highlight the modern use of wound care technology that has exploded in the last 20 years. With only one advanced therapy available in 1999, there are now hundreds of options to help close chronic wounds in diabetic patients. Dr. Dauphiné distills these options down to show patients and physicians treating these patients how combinations of these products can be used to save limbs and save lives. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné, board-certified foot and ankle surgeon, and my partner, Dr. Rafa Hussein, fellowship-trained podiatric surgeon, and we are The Pod Doctors. Each week, the pod doctors will be discussing aspects of podiatric medicine and surgery to educate our audience on common foot and ankle problems, and the latest treatment options available. We hope to bring you interesting and informative shows each week discussing all the crazy ways that our wonderful foot can malfunction and cause us problems. So please find us on all the platforms where you find your typical podcasts, podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and YouTube, where you can view our videos. So please like and subscribe, and we will see you next time on the Pod Doctors. Welcome to the Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné. I'm here with my partner,
1: Dr. Rafi Hussain.
0: And uh, today we're going to talk about a very common problem that we see all the time. Um, both by itself and then also in combination with other forefoot deformities, the dreaded hammer toe.
1: Yeah, hammer toes. It's a cosmetic problem. It's a physical problem. Can cause sores and and tenderness and pain. But let's go through some uh, some background information on hammer toes. Sure. So, what is a hammer toe?
0: It's kind of a yeah. I got that generic um, term. For you know any curvature of the gray toe, but there are sort of subsets of this. So this is a great slide here talking about the subsets.
1: So a classic hammer toe, textbook definition, we're talking about a flexion deformity at your PIP joint. So that's your first joint after your uh, metatarsal phalangeal joint. Your mallet toe is the opposite. It's a flexion deformity at your DIP joint, right. your distal interphalangeal joint. And that's a, a flexion deformity that you can see that almost looks like, I mean, your classic mallet, you know, like mm-hmm. a little hammer. And then your claw toe deformity is the combination of both of those problems. Generically speaking, most docs will use the term hammer toe uh, Kind of across the everything. board. Yeah. Right.
0: But they're specific in that the surgical answers for those need to be specific to yes. the particular version that you might have. So there's just subtle differences between those procedures, but... Um, yeah, they would have to be specifically designed for each one of those deformities.
1: So why are hammer toes a problem? So classic, you know, problems associated with hammer toes are your uh, pressure on shoes. My shoe is rubbing against the top of my toe, as you can see here. I'll rub against the top of the PIPJ joint Uh, right here. Another prime example, if you're a diabetic with the diabetic neuropathy, the autonomic um, muscle weakness and loss, you get the hammer toe forming. And with the neuropathy, it can rub against the shoes. You can see the distal tip ends up being a problem also.
0: The, where the ulcers are, are threatening the toe, the foot, and potentially the patient's life. I mean, these are um, you know, obvious entry points for infection. And it's very, very easy to have the joint involved with those, where you could end up with a septic arthritis yeah. that would co- you know cause you to potentially lose the toe.
1: Your toe has very little skin. And the combination of the neuropathy, which usually starts in the toes, and the loss of you know good blood flow, which usually starts in the toes, that causes that uh, that sore to be very difficult, very um, time-consuming to heal. But the trick is, you know, knowing what the problems are, offloading those areas, getting good blood flow down there, and then obviously uh, basic wound care, uh, we can get these things to heal.
0: So I, I have a patient I'm doing a surgery on on Friday for. Exactly this. He has a a distal tip lesion on his third toe. And he's got calluses on his fourth and his fifth. He's diabetic. This has been threatening him for six months. Oh, wow. And we've been trying to get him into the OR because clearly this is a, you know, about a 30-minute surgery.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure he didn't even realize he had the problem initially up until I couldn't feel it.
0: But I have been counseling him every week for six months to say, hey, look, we we're getting nowhere with this because it it's a mechanical problem and you can't get the wound to heal. He's physically, he's obese. It's physically impossible for him to stay off his foot. He lives alone. Classic example of, um, you know, someone who doesn't have a lot of social, uh, help. And, and until we get him in the OR and correct the deformity, he's going to continue to be threatened by this, this toe wound that could get infected at any moment and threaten his entire foot. He's very fortunate. It's taken, you know, very close weekly care. Expensive. I mean, this is six months we've been you know, messing around with this. But, yeah. you know, the patient was refusing surgery, so there's nothing I could do. But th- every day this was open was another chance for an infection that could have threatened his toe.
1: Yeah, we, that's what we try to address these as early as we've seen them. You know, mm-hmm. you start getting that little callus on the tip. We're like, all right, got to figure out a way to take the pressure off of this toe.
0: And sometimes you can do that with diabetic shoes and diabetic yeah. patients. And we clearly tried that and it failed miserably because his toe is so contracted. It really so its like a rigid. Deformity. Oh, it's rigid. It's a claw toe. It, there's There's nothing you can do to offload the tip of the toe well enough even with crest pads, with the plastozoid inserts. I mean, we've, we've gone through every iteration you can think of and still failed. And, you know, I, I could have probably predicted that from day one, but I just couldn't get the guy to agree to have surgery. So.
1: And the last thing that you typically see with some of these hammer toes, are you'll get the little callus uh, under the metatarsal heads. Mm-hmm. It's that retrograde pressure that, uh, I don't know if I can show it real good, it's that retrograde pressure that pushes down when mm-hmm. you have that hammer toe you're walking in that metatarsal or plantar flex and push against that ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, over time you start losing that fat pad, that cushion, you end up getting calluses and sores and stuff there. And, and in
0: that, in that one you're talking about on the bottom center there, you know, clearly that patient has a bunion as well and yeah. probably has hypermobility. The first ray. So the first ray is, is being pushed up out of the way. He's not doing his job and it's an overload of the second and the third. And his second toe is literally getting squeezed up and out. Between the third toe and the big toe, we see that often, yeah. and you get ligament loss with that. The ligaments they become attenuated or stretched out, or they rupture entirely, and that's when you get that crossover toe. Which I know you got. Oh a yeah, I got
1: a good coming picture coming in here. There we go. There, so are, that's that crossover toe. I
0: try to explain this to patients. Oh my gosh, that is yeah. That lady, one. I don't
1: know. That's just that's. I would amputate that. There's no reason <laughs> to have that. But um, this is your classic crossover yeah. toe. The, got that big bunion pushing over, bullying that second right. toe up.
0: And we have entire days dedicated to that problem yep. at our national foot and ankle surgery conferences. So when you hear that, that should raise a red flag. That means these are that difficult to fix. So you want to fix this before you get this crossover toe, yeah. Because it. once it's this unstable, oh my goodness, they're, they're tough. You could do all kinds of fancy uh, girdle stone tailors, uh, lapidus bunionectomies, Fusions of the pip joint all that stuff and you could still be dealing with a toe that
1: might need to be amputated yeah and and the funny thing is a lot of patients will come in and be like i want to get my hammer toe fixed it's been bothering me and they'll be like all right we gotta do the bunion like well the bunion's not bothering me you're like well you gotta have the problem
0: you gotta have some place to put the toe yeah so (laughs) yeah there's just no place to put the toe in that foot and and honestly in a patient who is elderly, who's maybe not the greatest surgical candidate amputating the second toe and maybe doing an aching or some other simple bunion procedure. That'd be a reasonable thing to do for that person because the reconstruction required to actually correct that is fairly significant. So if you've got a patient that either can't tolerate that, can't get off their foot long enough to let that heal normally, I would offer them an amputation of that toe and and they would do well. The skin would heal up in two weeks and, and they wouldn't have a protracted stop period
1: yeah so when we do our clinical exam we're looking at a whole array of things we're looking to see if this toe itself is reducible if it's flexible that mm-hmm. determines the type of surgery we're going to go and do uh, we're trying to see if there's an associated problem like for example the bunion deformity or if they have like a flat foot deformity or I mean it could be a whole array of things if they have um, uh, what's called a holoma mole which is like the uh, the callus between the toes because mm-hmm. the toes are pushing against one another there's a whole bunch of little um, steps, little uh, exams that we do to kind of see how extensive the uh, repair needs to be. Um, but, yeah. But what causes a hammer toe? I mean, we're talking about uh, all the problems associated with but what causes it? Um, your classic, uh, you know, shoe gear, uh, tight, narrow shoes, obviously causes the hammer toes. More specifically, causes the pain associated with the hammer toes. Yeah,
0: you're causing the skin lesions. So yeah. when patients come in with those... Those calluses on tops of the toes, you have to explain to them, hey, look, these don't just uh, pop up out of nowhere. There's a very specific reason why they show up, and it is directly related to your shoe gear. You could have horrible hammer toes, and if you don't wear shoes that irritate the tops of those joints, you'll never get calluses there.
1: You're flip-flop people.
0: Right. So you'll still have hammer toes. You may get distal tip or the, the callus on the end of the toe because it's grinding into the ground or grinding into the shoe. But you'd never get a callus up here if you weren't wearing shoes that were contributing to the problem.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. So a lot of our patients who are diabetic with hammer toes, who are not candidates or don't want to have surgery, we'll get them into the diabetic shoes that have the soft cloth type of sho- mm-hmm. uh, coverings.
0: Deep over. toe box. Yeah. So there's plenty of room for those, those uh, contracted toes.
1: So as far as the biomechanical um, causes for hammer toes, there are three main reasons for hammer toe um, contractures. There's your flexor stabilization, there's your flexor substitution, and there's your extensor substitution. Your flexor stabilization is the most common reason. I think they estimate like 80-90% of hammer toes are caused by flexor stabilization. What that really means is that the tendon, which supports your arch, the posterior tibial tendon, that comes in and inserts on this bone here, comes across the back of the uh, medial malleolus, and inserts on that navicular bone, it's bringing that arch up. If your foot structure, your biomechanics, your lifestyle causes your foot to flatten out, the accessory tendons that are in the back will fire to help stabilize that arch. Now, those tendons include your flexor digitorum longus. Mm -hmm. And we know that that uh, deformity is caused by the flexor stabilization, most commonly when your fifth toe turns in. It's It's a little trick because your fifth toe is turning in because that tendon that's coming across your flexor digitorum longus is uh, being pulled, and the longest muscle belly, the quadratus uh, is pulling that direction. It's a little biomechanical um, anatomy type of old trick that we we uh, we see with this flexor stabilization uh, type of hammer toe problem. Now, with your flexor substitution problem, it's usually in your cavus foot types, your high arch foot types. Your um, your Achilles is weaker, and your accessory flexors are now flexing to help support that Achilles your long flexor tendons push off since they're being overused more than usual you start getting the toe deformity and the last one is your extensor substitution usually seen in patients also with a uh, you know higher foot, foot
0: or, with aquinas or, with,
1: or forefoot aquinas right. or any type of aquinas the ex- deformity
0: the extensor tendons are being recruited to help pull the foot up against that tight calf muscle
1: yeah and that's when you yeah. see the toes that are sitting high and up and the yeah. tips aren't that bad but you'll see like the tendons on the top of their... their uh,
0: Bow strong. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the tendons are literally like, like you can see on my hand, they're they're just popping out. But they're like that all the time.
1: Yeah. So, so, so the fun, you know, anatomy behind of, um, hammer toes. Associated problems with um, hammer toes. You can get the fat pad atrophy. You can get the calluses. The fat pad atrophy, I feel like, is very under under talked yeah. about and
0: it's not necessarily it may atrophy but it's also just dislocation yeah it's just it's dislocated into the sulcus so the fat that's a great picture those are awesome that really does describe you know why you get those horrible plantar calluses yeah. and, and you know when that fat pad is no longer sitting where it's supposed to because the contracture's so bad it's pulling that fat pad up into the sulcus where it it's not protecting the metatarsal head anymore.
1: It's like you're walking on your knuckles. You've got yeah. no cushion there.
0: And if you fix the hammer toe, you naturally see that fat pad pull back and yeah. get into a little bit better position.
1: So, well, Doc, what are my treatment options? You know, uh, We can go non-surgical, we can go surgical, and we'll run through the most common treatment options. Um, or we can put wheels on your feet and you know, <laughs> you'll be perfectly fine. So conservative treatment options, there's a lot of stuff out there for hammer toe problems. Um, crest pads, I think are probably the most simple, uh, type of treatment options, especially when you're getting that callus on the tip of your toes, that pressure from, um, the hammer toes kind of, or the mallet toes kind of beaten against the ground. I use these quite often in my patients with the diabetic ulcers and sores and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'll do my basic, simple dressing over the toe after I've debrided everything and then I'll get them a crest pad to take the pressure off. That allows the toes to kind of float rather than hit the ground whenever they're walking. Um, there's a lot of splints and stretching devices out there. I think this is meant to help stretch the flexor digitorum longus uh, tendon. I don't know if they really work. I I would hope maybe they work a little bit, but honestly, uh, you're kind of fighting, uh, something
0: long-term. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to do the trick. The the forces that are acting on the digits are pretty extreme and, uh, that's probably not going to give you a good, a
1: long-term solution. There's these uh, little met pads that um, that come around. Those
0: are those are nice because they can help straighten the second toe at the same time pad the ball of the foot. Yeah. You also have the ones that fit over the great toe and just cover the entire fat pad with uh, oh, silicone gel. Up. Oh, actually I didn't
1: put that in there. But yeah, I know
0: what you're but talking the, about. The metatarsal gel strap is what is what it's yeah. referred to as. So and that could be a quarter inch of silicone gel across the entire ball of the foot, which you know for somebody who's getting those well circumscribed. Uh, or circular callus lesions that can really help yeah you got to break down the callus you know we like to use urea cream to break down the callus and then uh, have them use a pumice stone or some sort of a braid or petty egg whatever and um and take those calluses down
1: yeah because they'll come in every you know six weeks or whatever and we'll shave down those calluses but those calluses are going to keep on forming unless you cushion them and you stay ahead of the callus
0: in the vast majority of cases, the callous care, if that's what you're coming in for, is not covered by insurance. Yeah. So you have to understand that, that you know, most insurers consider that cosmetic problem and you know something you could deal with on your own. If you want us to deal with it, we, there's a, usually a charge for that. Um, unless you're diabetic and you have severe neuropathy, though, that's considered routine foot care, which isn't typically covered by insurance.
1: Yeah. Other things are orthotics. So it goes back to that flexor stabilization option. The orthotics, although you're like, oh, well, it's not doing anything for my hammer toes. What it is doing is helping out that posterior tibial tendon so those flexor tendons don't have to fire as hard. And then we can add like met pads. So I didn't find a good picture with a met pad on there, but what a met pad does it, this is stuck to the patient's skin, but most times we'll put it into the orthotic. Mm-hmm. It takes the pressure and distributes it along the shaft of the metatarsal rather than the head of the metatarsals because the head is already getting so much pressure, the shaft gets minimum to none pressure. So we're putting a little extra pressure on the shaft and taking the pressure off of the metatarsal head, pretty much uh, expanding the surface area on pressure. Right. And then your simple silicone toe sleeves. I those think these are great, especially for those dorsal uh, yep. calluses and pressure sores that you can mm-hmm. get, um, especially with the shoe gear. Um, works very, very well. Just like the silicone forefoot uh, uh, pressure pad, it's an extra thick layer of gel of silicone to act as a barrier, pretty much. Because mm-hmm. the top of your your toe has very little skin to it. Right.
0: And the other thing they're nice for is people who are getting those calluses in between in the inner space. Oh, yeah. 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 Just, just, just those spreads the toes apart. Yep. Uh, yep, The soft, soft corns in the inner space. But, uh, you know, again, those soft corns are a result of a bony problem underneath, and all yeah. this is doing is padding the area and, and slowing things down from a callus standpoint, but not
1: eliminating it. Yeah, it's not correcting the problem. It's adding, right. you know, a cushion to it. For those patients who... Oh, I'm a teacher. I want to do my surgery summer vacation. I think these are great things to yeah. use. You know, so you'll buy, buy you a time. couple months and yeah. um, get you comfortable in the right. meantime. There's a lot of taping options for uh, hammer toes. Uh, they work. Uh, I don't think they fix the problem. I th- use them more for like plantar plate tears. I think yeah. they work well.
0: Well, and they're also nice post op. So if you oh, yeah. if you need to retain that position for a while longer, maybe you still have some skin that needs to be stretched. Yeah. On the top of the toe, the scar, maybe contracting. These work great for kind of. Yeah. Do you use tape or do you
1: use the Coban trick? I like the Coban trick where you uh, kind of make a giant loop and you crisscross it around the toe uh, and then bring it around the heel and I'll hold it. In I've done
0: both, but I'll, I also like taking, you know, one inch athletic tape, splitting it in half longitudinally, yeah. and then doing like the breast cancer ribbon. Yeah, yeah. So one loop around the toe and then it crisscrosses underneath the foot so you're not encircling the toe. Mm-hmm but that crisscross allows you to then kind of tug the toe and whatever. You do laterally? Yeah, you can it's like reins on a horse. You can kind of <laughs> and redirect the toe, you know, centrally and then hopefully stretch whatever is contracting on top. So yeah, I, I use that mostly post-op though. Yeah. Trying to control the skin contractures while
1: we're letting things heal. Yeah. There's not a lot you can do, you know, conservatively to fix the hammer toe. you are pretty it, much cushioning the problem. Yeah. It,
0: you're you're buying time or You know, the patient's just not a good surgical candidate, and this is the
1: best you can do. So soft tissue options. So this is something that we typically do in the clinic. Um, I try to reserve these more for the older geriatric patients. In the young, I I give them my spiel. This is a short-term correction. These are known to come back, you know, 5, 10, 15 years down the line. This will buy you time. This will take the pressure off of those areas, and it does work well as long as you have a flexible uh, hammer toe contracture. Right. So, I mean, there's a multitude of ways of doing this, um, and it just depends on the type of uh, hammer toe you have. Most commonly, we'll do like the plantar incision. We'll release that uh, that flexor tendon, and that will take that contracture and let it sit a little bit straighter. Now, um some people will go ahead and will release the capsule while they're in there. I do the same thing. I do the PIPJ, uh, and I'll just release the capsule ligaments while, while I'm in there. You'll put one or two stitches in there, and it works great. Now, when you have the extensor uh, tendon problem, you do the exact opposite. You go up top, and you release the extensor tendon. Like I said, this is a short-term solution because those tendons will scar back in, and there's a high chance of those recurring 10, 15 years down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what is your opinion on this. Yeah, I, I
0: think for wounds, they can be real helpful for that patient yeah. that's just not a good surgical candidate. Exactly. Uh, we've worked like the patient that I have to take back to the OR. Yeah, like the uh, he we did that on his second toe, and yeah. it worked great. Um, but that was you know clearly there's a there's a there's a charge for that, and it was going to be less expensive for him to go to the hospital. Have us do it in the office, which yes. was weird, but it was just the way his insurance worked. But yeah, it worked great for his second toe, but now you know, then he also ran under his third, so now you got a transfer lesion because his third, fourth, and fifth toes are still horribly yeah, contracted.
1: I'm, gl- I'm glad you said that because a lot of people don't think about that. So when you do your flexure tendon release, now so all of those tendons come mm. through and the they join tendon, yeah, they're on, a, in yep. a joint tendon. So if you release one. Now, the remaining tension is on the other ones. So there's right. a high chance that the Those other are... ones will start getting the pressure sores yep. and hammering and getting the cal. So we definitely have to explain to patients that this is a likelihood. This is something we have to be aware of. Right. You may have to wear a crest pad preventatively. You may have to do your stretching exercises preventatively and or the orthotics. Uh, whatever we can do to make sure that it doesn't happen to the other toes because you don't want to fix one problem and then cause a different problem. Right. You know? But very common
0: with, with toes, yep. yeah. Yeah. I think hammer toe surgery. You're looking for a ballpark. You know, yeah. you're not looking for perfection.
1: Yeah, hammer toe surgeries is is one of those. Um, you're balancing tendinous work and bony work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, with bunions, ankle fusions, midfoot problems, uh, fractures, etc. That we're doing flat foot surgery. Most of that is like bony realignment. You know, tendon balancing is not as big a component to. Uh, most of those surgeries, as far as hammer toes go, it's I think fifty percent of the, yeah. the procedure is, ha- is tendon balancing. Right.
0: As far as outcomes are concerned, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: So here, are kind of some uh, before and after. I found these online. Just very simple. You know, they did uh, your your plantar releases, and you can see this is. I think this is like six weeks out, and this is like three months out. I don't remember offhand, but uh, as you can see, the hammer toe deformity is, you know, corrected uh, to an extent. It looks like this person here on this side had the callus on the tip of their toes mm-hmm. and they released, it looks like the the second and third, I guess, on these ones. It doesn't look yeah. like they did the fourth or fifth, but um, obviously you can see that the the toes are sitting a little bit straighter. Um, yeah, the
0: goal is to just make sure you're weight bearing on the fat pad again because the tip of the toe has very little if no fat pad. Yeah. So you weren't meant to bear weight on the tip of the toe. You're meant to bear weight on the planner aspect of the toe where the fat pad is. So anything you can do to straighten the toe, even just a little bit and improve where the weight bearing surface currently lies is going to make a huge difference. That's why you get that, that really nucleated painful callus. Oh, on the end so the tender. Yeah, Cause there's just no fat there. Yeah. Nope. No protecting the end of the toe. So your skin's reaction to that is build up more layers of skin. That's what a callus is. So, know, that there's a friction and a pressure component that causes that reaction that your skin is basically just trying to protect itself.
1: Yeah, and it's a vicious cycle because now you're trying to protect itself. You build the callus. The callus ends up being a prominent spot, which allows for more pressure, which yeah. causes it to make more callus. And that's why these things recur uh, quite a bit. Right.
0: And oh. there's there's sensory nerves right in and around and under and oh, yeah. so all of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the plantar surface of your palmar your, your surface, your hands and your feet, have exponentially more nerve endings than most your your skin, right. so that's why you can feel like a grain of sand, you know, uh, in your shoe. You can feel like you know a hair between your fingers, but you won't feel a hair on your, your arm. You know, it's just um, it's the way we're made. You know, so simple surgical options. These are uh, simple as far as you know. This is uh, the first stages of hammer toe correction. You can do what's called a arthroplasty or orthodesis orthoplasty meaning you'll release the joint you remove that portion of bone and either you'll fold in the tendon or capsule or you'll leave it loose and you'll still have flexion mobility i've kind of fallen from doing those too often because they just tend to recur right um i just end up going straight for the fusion the orthodesis um, only because the long-term results are great. And, and I think
0: most people aren't going to miss that motion. You're, what you, you still have is motion at your M- MTPJs, right? But yeah, you or can't, your DIPJs. Or the DIPJs, but, but you won't be able to pick up pencils with your toes anymore. Yeah, it's Thank- not like
1: you're writing letters with your feet.
0: Th- and thankfully, you know, picking up pencils with your toes is not a job requirement for most people. <laughs> so you know, you're know you not going to miss that motion, and uh, clearly we're doing this for for pain. We're not doing this for purely cosmetic reasons, because that wouldn't be covered by insurance. But, um, you know, the, the pain component actually gets better pretty quickly. And and having the pins in place, and that you can see in that picture, it looks a little Frankenstein-ish, but once the pins are in place, they're not painful. No. Patients do really well, and-
1: Most patients, I mean, especially when you pull them out, they barely even notice it. They're yep. like, is it gonna hurt? I was like, honestly, the only nerve ending is only at that tip of that skin. Your they, bone doesn't have nerve endings. Your tendons don't have nerve endings. I mean, sensory nerve endings. So you're not going to feel pain when we pull those out.
0: And the bone heals around them. Oh, doesn't yeah. doesn't usually stick to So they're pretty loose after four or five weeks, and, and you can slide them out in the office really pretty simply. So that doesn't usually require another trip to the operating room, and it provides the correction that you need. And if you have – we don't have a picture of that, but if you have both – the metatarsal phalangeal joint contracture and
1: well that's what i was going to ask you why would you determine a long k wire versus a short k wire
0: if you're correct if you're doing anything to correct the mtp joint so if you're releasing the contracture there and you're lengthening the extensor tendon you need to drive that all the way across that's my biggest complaint about implants is that most of the implants don't allow you to do that you can get a nice straight toe that's sticking up (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's not gonna help. So that's when we go back and we do our extensor releases and we'll get into that. So the far
0: left one shows that. Yeah, we've yeah. just ad, you've advanced the K wire across both joints. And so you, you the nice thing is you can correct both joint positions with uh with that
1: five dollar implant. I mean yeah. It's like a paper clip. Yeah, it's they're cheap. So here are the implants. There's a there's a multitude of implants. Mm-hmm. I I didn't pick any one of these specifically. I've used one of everything. I, they're all pretty much the same. My general thumb, I mean, same thing like you just said, I do like the cannulated implants. The cannulated implants are the ones that have the, the hole down the center. So if I did need to do the MPJ, um, I wouldn't have to, you know, try to- you wouldn't have to compromise. Yeah. You
0: could use use the implant. You could go ahead and put the K wire through the implant and then correct the position and hold the correction of your metatarsal pharyngeal joint. The nitinol ones, the little spring loaded ones you have in that center picture, you know, those, those work great. And I have patients who clearly don't want K wires because they don't want things sticking out of their toes. Yeah, Those are great. But man, when those get, if those get infected or those things break, it is a pain in the butt because trying to take those out and, and do a, a, a redo much more difficult. And that can be the case with a lot of these implants because of the bony overgrowth. They're just tough. So, they're Mine. expensive. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a huge fan. I'll just be honest. I still stick with the case. I, I guess it's because I think most of the hammer toe surgery I'm doing is pretty advanced. I mean, we're talking rigid, horrible deformity kind of stuff. I'm not yeah. seeing a lot of the the real simple ones in, in younger patients. Because I think the implants in the younger patients who are trying to avoid having a pin sticking out of their toe for four to f- six weeks... That i have just not seen that many of those folks. I'm seeing mostly the yeah, because
1: we're catching them early, we're correcting them, you know, right. at the level of you know, conservative options. Um, what about these uh, these bony ones? These are our, our cortical bone mm-hmm. implants. Uh,
0: I think that's interesting. I think, um, I think that's and a, I think these are a, nice are a similar option.
1: thing. I think this is a, a, a synthetic bone type of, uh, I forgot yeah. what these are made out of, um, probably
0: peak, which is absorbable, absorbable, yeah. yeah. So I think those are interesting options. The nice thing is they don't, you don't really see them uh, on x-ray and and if they work, uh, you've got tremendous um, bone across your fusion site, which is great. Yeah. So I think they're, they're a nice option.
1: Let's see what else. Oh, screws. So these ones I use pretty much for the real bad hammer toes and these screws are typically cannulated also. Right. I don't know if I have any, I don't have any pictures in here with the K wires, but um, what do you think about these, uh, these type of fixations? I, I like
0: them again, but it, you can't fixate the MTP joint. So my It's like yeah. it, your picture here where they did the while. Um, so they, they, they backed up the metatarsal head. They fused the PIP and um, and they fixed the interphalangeous deformity of the big toe. But that second metatarsal phalangeal joint, the ligamentous structures controlling that joint yeah. are gone the lateral side there's just no way they're still intact so if you don't pin that straight there's, you, a, chance you could, there's a chance for it to deviate again your your nice straight second toe could then still cross over your big toe again yeah or uh, get tethered into it so i would like to see what that foot looks like in five years. Yeah, because it looks great right now on X-ray, but yeah. I, you, they didn't do anything to to either augment or correct the lateral collateral ligament damage yeah. that clearly allowed the toe to go. whoop. So yeah. we'll see. Maybe, maybe this is a, yeah, a couple
1: of weeks out. I don't know. Maybe they pull the K wires after. Well, this. And
0: they may have done a, a girdle stone or some some sort of tendon flexor transfer. tendon transfer with yeah. that. And if they did, then that was smart. That has a much better chance of long term long term solution long term. Uh,
1: good outcome yeah so pretty much when we do the k wires right and you put it across that mpj joint what we're waiting on is when we release those ligaments and realign those tendons that uh apparatus to pretty much scar back into place so it pretty much makes up that capsule once more just out of scar tissue fibrous tissue which over time will turn back into capsule ligament but uh, but yeah uh, i agree 100 percent. yeah
0: so that's a beautiful result on the right there that's probably immediate post-op or maybe a couple of weeks after, but yeah, I'd like, it to, seem I'd like, like to see what
1: because you still see the,
0: the gaps yeah, between the joints. I'd like to see what that looks like in five years, four or five years. Yeah.
1: So additional procedures. So we're talking about the toes specifically as far as those procedures go, but what are some other, you know, uh, um, procedures that we do? So we talked about the tendon balancing mm-hmm. and we've been talking about that last case. I am positive they had to go in, lengthen those uh, tendons. So, I don't know what you do. I do instead of the Z-length things. I end up doing the extensor long and the brevis short, and I I I overlap them. Uh, Some people split them down the center. I don't know. uh, I do do the long. I do a long Z. Yeah, Z cut exactly, and then it gives
0: you you know the length you need by by just essentially stretching the tendon, and then you suture that. I suture that back with um, monocryl, and I've released the underlying joint capsule. Yeah,
1: the capsule ligaments.
0: And then when you pin it. Uh, then you can easily repair the tendon in a lo- elongated position. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do that almost on every single case where the MTP joint or the metatarsal found joints involved for sure.
1: Yeah, it, it's a common thing that we do with hammer toe procedure. So a lot of a lot of times, the patients will be like, "Oh, you're just gonna you know do a small incision across the top of your knuckle." Um, yes, unless there's a uh, additional problems associated with the hammer toe problem.
0: And I'll do them through two separate incisions. Yeah. of course. So the the PIP I do an ellipse, which I can hide the scar in the normal skin line, which yeah. is great.
1: 100% can, I agree.
0: From a cosmetic standpoint, you know, especially for women who want you know want minimal scarring, it works great, and you can barely find that scar in a yeah. year.
1: Yeah, and what about on top of the toe? I mean, on I'll top of a the little, MPJ, do you do a I lazy do a c- S? I do
0: a little C or a lazy S, yeah. and those, those heal up beautifully, and again, because it's not straight line that can get contracted and become a bad scar it's yeah. a curved line that if it gets contracted it becomes a straight scar yeah so just you know another little technique that we've uh, borrowed from plastics
1: yeah. and they work great uh, simple effective but this is that that stuff we're talking about that that balance with those tendons here's a uh, another osteotomy that we typically do uh, it's called a wild osteotomy where if the second metatarsal is elongated it also puts you at risk for getting those uh, hammer toes and that metatarsal, the plantar metatarsal pain. Um, so what we'll do is we'll, we'll slide them back or over, depending on the angulation problems, and we'll put a, a screw or two across there. Simple, effective. And then while we're in there, we're rebalancing that capsule and tendon. You can see this person here, uh, the before and the after. Uh, it's great. It's um, oh here's the before and after. That's uh, a nice result. Yeah. Yeah. It, simple. Uh, it, you can see that they they shifted the heads slightly immediately, um, I guess, to maintain that parabola mm-hmm. uh, a lot better. But uh, it works. Here, uh, this is probably the more common way that I'll do them. You know, I'll do the, the single screw, but I'll do the K-wire across that joint to actually let that capsule ligament kind of hold them in place. Um, and
0: then that was a, that's a nice over-engineered Lapidus. Yeah. So they've, that, that's, that's a, a fusion of the first metatarsal cuneiform joint back there with the plate and screw construct, which is going to be nice and solid. And they had clearly got a good bone healing with that. The first ray is a little short, but if they plantar flexed it or really declinated it, and that, you, know, you can really mitigate some of that shortening.
1: Yeah, or they may have had the lapidus in the past and that caused True. the shortening. True. Or uh, whatever. I guess they may have done like a, a, a Youngswick yep. here? I don't know. I don't know. It looks like about? they may have done a
0: combo, yeah.
1: But um, so sometimes when we do these surgeries or other surgeons do these surgeries, you're at risk for shortening that metatarsal and it's a known risk. And we try to do our things to help uh, mitigate that risk, you know, plantar flexing it, ma- making sure we don't take too much bone. Um, but it is a known risk. And usually your second metatarsal is slightly longer than your first. And if it is known that we're going to do that procedure, you're like, well, I might as well correct this problem uh, while I'm in there. You'll go ahead and you'll shorten that, that metatarsal. So you'll have a natural uh, curved parabola. This looks you great you
0: eliminate a lot of the, the pressure point issues with, Doing that, yep, yeah, that's a nice option
1: recovery. So, hammer toe surgery, although it is simple surgery when we're talking about small joints, it is um, it's still surgery. So, I typically will have patients in boots for about six to eight weeks. I don't know about you, um, uh, just
0: post op shoe, yeah, usually. And but if you're using that, that KWR, they can't walk foot, and yes. they have to use the shoe or they're going to flex that thing and fracture it and yeah. i've had you know it's probably three or four patients a year where they don't listen and they and they lock, that, pin.
1: that that k wire is coming back you know back here and it's a very thin wire and they'll walk and they won't realize that it's flexing so it toggles that that wire and you know if you ever played around with the paper clip you toggle it once twice three times and it ends up just snapping right and that's what ends up happening
0: which is not the worst thing in the world. because it's that,
1: buried in bone.
0: If it's buried in bone, it's not going to ever be an issue. But um, you know, you look at the x-ray later on, you're like, oh, what's that floating piece of metal in my foot?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, you know, yeah, should have been a little more compliant.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm more on the surgical boot side. Um, I think they're
0: great. I think that's not a bad option.
1: My, the only reason I like the boot better than this shoe is just because it's easier to walk in. I've worn it personally for shoe and boot, mm. and the boot has that little rocker to it, and I think you can just walk... A lot easier, and I don't know. That's just my personal preference. Um, Some people will be in crutches. Some people will be in new scooters, depending on the associated surgeries that they might do, like the lapidus. You know, get have to be off of it for quite some time. Some people will put them into casts, uh, slipper cast, full leg cast. uh, i put them in a a full short
0: leg cast with the lapidus just to uh, move all of that weight onto the tibia that we can. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, But, yeah, the recovery for the surgery isn't long, isn't hard it used just have to do what you're supposed to do and it's pretty straightforward
0: the downside if it's your right foot always you know you uh-huh. got to remember if it's your right foot and you're having forefoot reconstruction whether it's bunions or hammer toes um you're going to be out of commission from a driving standpoint for yeah. a while and that you have to build into your expectations so a lot of folks uh kind of fail to re- remember that so that's something to keep an eye on uh whenever we're doing stuff like this on your right foot you
1: Really can't be driving,
0: and not not just because you might screw up the surgery, but you know if you got into a car accident and injured somebody, yeah. certain the, states the,
1: you're not allowed to drive with a boot on.
0: The civil lawsuit risk would be significant, so it's just not worth it. I did not know that. So there are state laws. New
1: York, I'm, I'm New York and New Jersey. I'm fairly certain you can't drive with a boot on. Wow. I I think Texas you can technically drive with a boot on, but I mean. If if it we want like, to coat you, la, la, la. you,
0: I don't want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> and patients tell you, "Well,
1: I've been driving." Like, no, I tell them, I "Do want. not drive." Yeah. If you have a boot, you've had surgery. If you're on pain meds, I'm telling you, yeah, do, do not, not drive. drive. Get yourself yeah. a driver. There's Uber. There's Lyft. There's a lot of different ways you can get around. There's Uncle Bob. Yeah, Uncle Bob. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, as far as hammer Tesco I mean, anything else.
0: I think that nailed it. I think uh, you know they're they're not just a cosmetic problem um they are a mechanical issue there's a hereditary component yes obviously with a lot of folks but we we're able to address both the cosmetic aspect of it and the mechanical aspect of it which is a nice win-win for the patient yeah um i think that's beautiful that before and after is wonderful you can see that we clearly uh, you know you're able to address the calluses but the underlying bony architecture that was causing the callus formation And, you know, that patient's got to be thrilled. That's just a totally different foot. Yeah. So stop hammer toe. We call it beautifying America from the ground up. Um, That is uh, the elimination of hammer toes and bunions from the world. Yeah, saving the world one toe at
1: a time. There you go.
0: (laughs) All right, Dr. Hussein, thank you very much. We are the Pod Doctors, and we will see you guys next time.
1: Take care. Be safe. Thank you for listening to The Pod Doctors. We appreciate all of our listeners and subscribers. If you'd like to hear more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and watch our videos on YouTube. Like, thumbs up, subscribe. Be safe. See you all next time. Bye-bye.